Tonight, we're going to be talking about something that everyone cares about. We're going to be talking about something that everyone can relate to. We're going to be talking about something that everyone's been thinking about because tonight, we're going to be talking about the election. I am just kidding. We're not talking about the election tonight, so don't worry. Some of you got weirdly excited. Some of you got very upset, and you were already on your way out the door. Okay, so, so we're not talking about the election tonight, okay? In fact, if you want to know more about the election, here's all you got to do. Turn on the news, okay? I guarantee you they are talking about it right now. So instead of talking about the election, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be talking about something that all of us deal with. We're going to uh, talk about stuff that people in church deal with and people outside of church deal with. We're going to be talking about stuff that politicians and non-politicians deal with. We're going to be talking about something that Democrats and Republicans and Libertarians and Independents and you name it, they deal with it because every single person deals with it, every high schooler, middle schooler, adult, college student, baby, everyone deals with it. What we're talking about tonight is not the election, what we're talking about is conflict, talking about conflict, because all of us in the room, no matter if you've been to age 12 before, if this is your first time, all of us have dealt with conflict. In fact, you've probably dealt with conflict today, right? It's like there was probably something earlier today that made you upset, uh, right? So you probably have conflict in your life. You're probably familiar with conflict. You know that conflict is when people are fighting, you know, people are arguing, people are yelling or kicking or screaming. And a lot of times where there's conflict, there's drama. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The drama, right? In fact, if we're honest, we're going to have an honest moment. We kind of like the drama, okay? Now, we would never admit that out loud, but secretly somewhere inside of us, we kind of like the drama. And here's why I know that we like the drama. Because that's the whole reason you and I watch reality TV, right? We don't watch reality TV because we're curious about what's going to happen to the people. We watch reality TV for the drama, right? We want to see them yell and fight and get upset with one another. We want to see the tensions get high. We want to see people get absolutely out of their mind because we love the drama. And where there's conflict and where there's drama, there's one emotion that almost always shows up. And it's the reason that we watch these shows. It's because this emotion shows up. Anger, right? Someone on the TV show getting angry, Someone on the news getting angry, one of your friends getting angry, maybe you getting angry or your parents getting angry or a coach getting angry or someone on your team getting angry. Anger often shows up where there's conflict and where there is drama. And all of us deal with anger, but we all deal with anger just a little bit differently. In fact, there are three ways that we normally respond to anger. And so some of these you're probably going to recognize and say, that's totally me. Here's the first way that we oftentimes respond to anger. The first one is... The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, that's right. When we get angry, if you belong to this group of people, when you get angry, you like blow up on people. You know what I'm saying? You like lose your mind on people. You yell and kick and scream and cuss and you do all these things that are like crazy over the top. You become kind of like the person in this clip. Check it out. You are all of you beneath me. I am a god, you dull creature. And I will not be bullied by 
puny god. So there it is. That's the Incredible Hulk right there. And some of you can relate, right? Some of you are like, when I get upset, when I get angry, I just lose my temper. I lose my cool. I punch and kick and scream and yell and do all those things. So as a moment of honesty, how many of you in the room would say, okay, you got me. I'm the Incredible Hulk, okay? When I get angry, yeah, I turn into the Incredible Hulk. Okay, okay. Now maybe you're not the Incredible Hulk, but you respond to anger. Maybe for you, you fall into the second category. You are what I like to call the stuffer. Meaning when stuff happens to you, you stuff it down. You know what I'm saying? You just prefer not to deal with it. You just want to shove it down and stuff it down and not address it. And it's like, you know, everything will be okay. I'm just going to shove it. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to, you know. And so you stuff it down. And then when one of your friends asks you how you're doing, you know what you say? I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right? So, you know, it's like, it's like one of your friends blows up on you and then they look at you and they go, are you okay? And you go, I'm fine, right? There's like a little bit just, I'm fine. You know, it's the, you get that, mm, I'm fine, right? And they keep asking. They're like, are you okay? You're like, yeah, I'm fine. And then they keep, and then you're like, I told you I'm fine, right? And you're just stuffing it deep down because you don't want to deal with it. You don't want to address it. In fact, you avoid conflict like the plague. You don't want other people to be upset with you and you don't want to be upset with other people. So you stuff it down, you internalize it. And when someone asks you, you say, fine, right? Now, how many of you, just being honest, would say, I respond to anger, I'm kind of the stuffer. Yeah, it's like, it's like just to be real, it's like I try to, okay. Now, if you're not in one of those two categories, you probably fall into this last and third category, and that is the backstabber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. The backstabber, by the way, kind of looks like the stuffer, only a little bit different. The backstabber, when they get angry, if the person that they're angry with is in the room, they smile and they say, it's okay, I'm fine. And then the moment that person walks out of the room, they stab him in the back. You know what I'm saying? And not literally, that's kind of the Incredible Hulk style, okay? But I'm saying like, if you're the backstabber, it's like the moment they leave the room, you look at all your friends and go, can you believe her, right? Can you, did you hear what she said? Did you hear what he said? Can you even believe? And then she walks back in the room and you're like, hey, hey, so good. I was just talking about you. Hey, how are you? No, good. I'm good too. We'll see you later. Who does she think she is, right? And you stab her in the back as soon as she leaves, right? And you don't address it with her. Instead, what you do is you manipulate and you gossip a little bit and you lie a little bit and you try to make her life terrible and miserable. But when she's around, you say, hey, everything's good, we're good. But then the moment she leaves, you try and recruit and steal her friends away from her or his friends away from him because you're... The backstabber. Now, being honest, how many of you would say you fall into that third category? Just a moment of, yeah, but you know someone, right? It's like, no, not me, but I know, I know of me, right? It's like, yeah, okay, there are three ways that we respond. Some of you, you know, you blow up, you get upset, you get, you know, kind of violent, crazy, you say some things. Some of you stuff it down, you don't want to deal with it, and then some of you You don't deal with it with that person, but you deal with it with other people and you make that person's life miserable. See, because all of us, all of us deal with conflict, all of us deal with anger differently. But here's the problem, okay? The problem is no matter how you deal with conflict, no matter how you respond to anger, our response 
often leads to regret. No matter if you're the hope, no matter if you're the stuffer, no matter if you're the backstabber, our response often leads to regret. Here's what I mean. If you are the incredible Hulk and you know that you blow up, there's probably been a time where you said something or you did something that you later regretted. That someone made you angry and in that moment you got angry and you just said the most vicious things or you just did the most vicious things to them and then after it kind of blew over, you thought about it, maybe the relationship was ruined and you just have a ton of regret for what you said or what you did. Or maybe you're the stuffer. Maybe you stuff it down and someone gets upset with you and you stuff it down and someone you know, put, puts their stuff on you and you, you stuff it down and you, you don't want to address it, you don't want to deal with it and then what, what ends up happening is you punish yourself. You get upset with yourself and then you start saying things like, I just wish I would stand up for myself. I just wish I wasn't this way and you start feeling a little bit of anxiety and you start feeling a little bit of depression because instead of dealing with the issues you just stuff it and hope it'll go away and then you end up regretting those decisions or maybe for you you've you know been a stuffer for so long that the last person or the last time that someone did something that made you angry you blew up all over them because you couldn't handle it anymore and then you look back at that situation and you have regret Or maybe you're the backstabber. And maybe you said some things about someone that you knew you shouldn't have said and at the time you thought it was harmless and at the time you thought he or she deserved it. But now that friendship is ruined. And now there are people that don't trust you. And now there are friendships that are going away all because you're the backstabber. And so you have regret And shame. See, because no matter how you deal with anger, no matter how you respond to anger, our response often leads to regret. And here's why. It's because our response often creates more damage than the conflict we're responding to. I want to say that again. Our response often creates more damage, not less, not equal, but more damage than the conflict we're responding to. Because sometimes it's a small little issue, but you blow up at that person and then they blow up at you and all of a sudden it's like World War III and you forgot what you were even fighting about. Because oftentimes it's our response to anger that creates more drama and more damage than the conflict we're actually responding to. Because many times it's not that we get angry, it's our response to that anger. That leads to regret. And so here's the only question I want to talk about tonight. Because I know that all of us respond to conflict differently. All of us respond to anger differently. But our question for tonight is this. How should we? I know that we all have different ways in the Incredible Hulk and the stuffer and the backstabber. But how should we respond to anger? When something happens to us, when someone makes us upset, when we start feeling our blood begin to boil, how should we respond? To anger. And so tonight, we're going to look at one specific verse that talks about this question. This verse is actually found in the book of Proverbs. It's Proverbs 29, 11. And we've put a Bible under every chair, right under the chair that you're sitting in, 
or the chair in front of you, go ahead, grab it. We're going to look at page 658, page 658 at Proverbs 2911. And I got to tell you about the guy that wrote this, okay? The guy that wrote this was a guy named Solomon. And I'm telling you, if anyone was familiar with drama, if anyone was familiar with like anger and conflict, it was Solomon. See, Solomon's family was actually filled with drama. In fact, just one little example, Solomon's stepbrother tried to kill Solomon's dad. Yeah, so if, if, if you think your family is kind of crazy, okay, at least your stepbrother's not trying to kill your dad, okay? Like literally tried to kill his dad. And so inside the family of Solomon was all this conflict and all this drama, and he was constantly surrounded by it. And not only that, but Solomon eventually became king. And when he became king, all the people of Israel brought their conflict and their drama to Solomon. And so now Solomon had to deal with everyone else's drama in addition to his own drama. And so he saw as anger was handled well, and he saw when anger completely ruined relationships and caused a bunch of guilt and shame. And so when Solomon thought about anger, this is what Solomon said. He said, fools give vent to their rage. Fools, in other words, people that make decisions that they later regret, they give full vent to their rage. In other words, they just do whatever feels good. But the wise bring calm in the end. And that's it. See, because Solomon recognized that people that look like fools, people that made decisions that they later regretted, what they did was that when they got angry, they just did whatever they wanted to. They did whatever felt right. In other words, it's not about getting angry. It's about how you respond when you're angry. See, because Solomon didn't say fools get angry because he knew that all of us get angry. All of us have had a situation where we've gotten angry. In fact, even Jesus got angry. There is nothing wrong with getting angry. But Solomon says, it's the way you respond. And when you respond by simply doing whatever feels right, by doing whatever feels good, by in the moment, I'm upset, now I'm going to respond. He says, that would make you a fool. Someone who does something that they later regret. But the wise respond differently. The wise Bring calm in the end. In other words, as it relates to anger, as it relates to anger, our response to anger can keep us from danger. It's our response to anger that will keep us from danger. It's not whether or not we get angry. It's how we actually respond to anger. Because remember, our response often creates more drama and more damage than the conflict we're responding to, which is why Solomon said, it's your response to anger, not whether or not you get angry, but how you respond to that anger that will keep you from danger. Because oftentimes we simply do whatever feels good. And Solomon would remind us that just because it feels good, just because it feels good doesn't mean it is good. Just because it feels good to blow up on someone doesn't mean it is good to blow up on them. Just because you would rather stuff it down than deal with it doesn't mean that's what you should do. Just because it feels good to get back at her and get back at him because after all, if you knew what she did or he did, and so that's why I'm plotting behind her back or behind his back, just because it feels good doesn't mean it is good. And see, I've sat on both sides of this. There are times where I've been wise, but there are times when I've been a fool. See, there was a time almost 10 years ago when I was a fool. 
It was actually, um, it was my senior year uh, at the college that I went to, the University of Georgia. Yeah, go dogs. Beat Auburn. Um, <clears throat> anyways, um, by the way, if we beat Auburn, I'm wearing my jersey next week. So y'all, y'all be ready. Anyways, okay. So it was my senior year at UGA. And those of you that know me know that every game when I, was, when I was a student, I painted up for every game. I sat in the front row for every game. It was like we were cheering on the dogs and we would spell out go dogs or, you know, Georgia, G-E-O-R-G-I-A. And we were always down there. In fact, we were always in the front row and we were always in the same section for four years. Four years. Then it was my senior year. In fact, it was the last home game of my senior year. And I was hanging out with some family at a tailgate. And so we kind of got there late. Normally we showed up three hours before the game started to kind of claim our seat and paint up and all that stuff. But on this particular day, we showed up about two and a half hours early, which is still pretty early and not many people are in the stand. And on that day, when I walked down to where our seats were, I noticed that there were about four people sitting right where we always sat for the past four years. So I walked up to them and very calmly, very casually, I was like, hey, how's it going? Um, so, kind of awkward, you probably didn't know this, but um, me and my friends always sit in this spot. This is kind of our deal. You've probably seen us on TV. I was featured in a magazine called Dog Time. Okay, so it was like, we always sit here and we paint up and all that stuff and, and you're, you're kind of in our spot. So if we can just sit here, you can sit either, you know, right beside us. There's only seven of us just right beside or maybe right behind us. And the guy looked at me without blinking said, well, then you should have gotten here earlier. And I said, okay, okay, this, this guy doesn't understand. So I thought I would help him understand, you know, it's like, help me help you. Okay, so, so I went up to him and I said, okay, um, I'm a senior. This is my last home game as a student ever. It's kind of a big deal. And for the past four years, literally every game, bro, every game I've sat right here. So this is like kind of a tradition. It's kind of a big deal. It's like we're always sitting here. Again, if you could just move right to the left or to the right or right behind. But like that's kind of where we sit. And the guy looked at me and again repeated as if I didn't hear him the first time. He said, then you should have gotten here earlier. And I lost it. Okay. Um, I wish I could say that I then looked at him and said, let me pray for you. Okay. I did not do that. Um, instead, I became the Incredible Hulk, and I lost my mind, y'all. I started yelling at him, and the guy was like this far away from my face, and I'm just screaming and pointing in his face, and I'm saying things that your student pastor should not ever say, and he's not going to repeat it here on stage, and I'm yelling and shouting and cursing, and I'm just getting in his face because this guy doesn't get it, and the guy's just looking straight ahead, and I'm like right here, just yeah, like my nose is touching his cheek, and I'm like, how could you want and I'm just saying all the things that I knew I shouldn't say. And then finally, one of my friends came up and literally like grabbed me and said this. He said, you look ridiculous right now. In other words, you look like a fool. And your friends are right there and they're watching you lose your mind. And there are people that don't even know you that are like thinking about throwing you out of the stadium because of how you're responding. 
See, because in that moment, Solomon would have called me a fool because I gave vent to my rage. I was angry, I was upset, and it felt right to tell this guy and let him know and all this stuff. But instead, I looked like a fool. And as soon as I backed away from the situation, I felt ridiculous. I felt like a fool and tons of regret. And I remember sitting there for the rest of the game thinking, why on earth did I do that? Because oftentimes it's not whether or not we get angry because we're all going to get angry. It's how we respond. And just because it feels good doesn't mean it is good. And so here are a few ways that I think we could bring calm in the end. When it comes to how we respond to anger, the first way is this. Pause. Chill out. Take a breath. See, in that moment when that guy repeated to me, well, you should have gotten here earlier, what would have been different if I just breathed, paused, and backed away from the situation? In fact, a really, really great question to ask is, will this matter in five years? This thing I'm getting upset about, this thing I'm getting angry and bent out of shape about, will this matter in five years? Many times, most times, the answer is no. In fact, if we were to ask the question, will this matter in five minutes, the answer is oftentimes no. But we forget in the heat of the moment to pause, and so we just give vent to our rage. And Solomon would say, before you do that, before you lose your mind, before you make decisions that you regret, before you ruin a relationship needlessly, before you're ashamed of who you've become, pause, breathe, and ask, will this matter in five years? Will this matter in five months? Will this matter in five minutes? Then after you've paused, identify, identify. See that game, my senior year, that last home game of the season, the reason I was late was because I was hanging out with my family and Catherine's family at the UGA game, and the reason that we were all together was because that night, Catherine didn't know it, that night I was going to propose to Catherine. And so as you can imagine, as a guy who was like nervous as all get out about proposing, I had all these emotions that were running high, and the moment this guy made me angry, it was like everything came out. And so oftentimes when we get angry, it's not about that situation. It's because there's something else happening. In other words, there is another emotion. There's another issue. There's something else we're dealing with. And so before you blow up on that person, identify, what am I really angry about? In fact, that's the question you should ask. What am I angry about? Really? Is it really that this guy took my seat? Is it really that, you know, right here, it's like last home game and we always sat there? Or is it because my emotions are so high because of what's going to happen later that night that I just lost my mind? Identify. In fact, there's a really great verse in Psalm 139, verse 23 through 24. It's a verse that I've prayed to God and asked him to help me identify because many times I don't know. So I pray, search me, O God. Search my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, what am I dealing with really? Then after identifying, communicate. And there's two questions associated with communicate. The first one is who should I talk to? And the next one is how should I talk to them? Okay. Um, 
the question, who should I talk to? Many times if you're angry with someone, the best person to first talk to is not the person you're angry with. Many times when you're angry with someone, the best thing to do is talk to a small group leader or a pastor or a mentor or a coach or maybe an accountability partner, not for the purpose of gossiping, but for the purpose uh, of saying, help me process this anger that I'm dealing with. So first, who should I talk to? Before blowing up on the person that I'm angry with, I need to talk to someone else. And then after who, if you've decided, and maybe your accountability partner or your pastor or your small group leader has decided that it's best for me to talk to that person, then how you communicate is really important. See, it's not just a little bit important. I would say this. I would say how we communicate can be as important as what we communicate. In other words, it's not just about information when you're dealing with conflict. How you communicate is oftentimes as important, sometimes even more important than what you're actually saying. Because when it comes to communicating with an enemy, when it comes to communicating with someone that there's drama with, there's multiple ways to communicate. I've just narrowed it down to four, and I want to breeze through these real quick. Here are the four ways that we communicate. Face-to-face, phone call, text message, social media. Okay? Face-to-face, phone call, text message, social media. These, by the way, go in order of best to worst. If you're in a conflict, okay, and you're trying to like patch things up, or you're trying to communicate, or you're trying to figure out what's really going on, this is the best option, and this is the worst option. Here's why face-to-face is the best. Because when you're face-to-face with the person that you have a conflict with, you not only know what they are saying, the information, you hear how they are saying it, you watch how they are saying it, and then you feel how they are saying it. When two people are in the room together, there's so much nonverbal communication going on that it fills in the blank for what the communication is really about. And the moment you start separating from face-to-face, you start losing all those other ways to communicate. And so I'm telling you, there have been times, there have been times where you've had drama or you've had conflict and you've said all the right things, but you didn't say it face-to-face. And so there were things that were assumed that were incorrect. The best way to communicate is face-to-face. The next best way, and only do this if like you absolutely have to, but please prefer face-to-face, is phone call. And the reason phone call is really good is because you can hear the inflection in their voice and you can kind of hear the way they're saying it and you can imagine maybe what their face looks like. But again, it's it's just better if it's face-to-face. It's better if you deal with that confrontation head-on. Now, when it comes to anger, when it comes to conflict, never text message. And here's why. Text messaging is a great, it's a great way to communicate information. Okay? Meet me at seven. That's information. Here is the address. That's information. It's an awful way to communicate intention. And so what happens is, even if you apologize or even if you ask for forgiveness, when you communicate through text message, all you're doing is communicating information. And then there is a gap. And the gap is what you say and what they think you mean. What they say and what you think they mean. And when you text message you let the other person fill in the gap. Here, and this is an example, okay? This is why we get so bent out of shape when someone texts you, okay. Y'all know what I'm saying? 
right? If you're like, hey man, can't wait to see you tonight. Okay. When you get that as a response, you make an assumption by that gap. Maybe they texted you okay and it was in all caps because they were like, okay, you know, it's like, let's go. But instead what happens is when they say okay, you fill in the blanks and you think that they mean okay. It's like, this is the worst plan ever, but whatever, I'll go. Okay, that's fine, right? We fill in the blanks. We fill in the gap for what we think they mean, which is why texting an apology, texting a will you forgive me, texting a confrontation, although we've all done it, is a really, really bad idea because the other person will never know what you actually mean. And then finally, the last one is social media. And this one's really bad. And the reason it's really bad is because when you publicly tweet at someone or you even worse, subtweet at someone, you are inviting everyone into your conflict. And now something that was only between two people and it was really no big of a deal is now between an entire friend group and people are choosing sides. And it's like, I'm with her. No, I'm with him. And now you have like World War III all because you've decided to communicate via social media. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you you. It's a great way to start drama. And if you love drama, which I know we do, then go for it. But if you want to actually preserve the relationship, if you want to actually have a friendship, if you don't want to have guilt, in other words, if you don't want to look like a fool, don't post it on social media. See, because once you've figured out who you need to talk to, how you communicate is as important as what you communicate. And then here's the last thing. The last step, the last response to anger is forgive. And this, by the way, is a sermon all on its own. And if I had time, which I don't, then I would teach it to you, but I, I can't right now. But the last step after you've paused, after you've identified, after you've communicated to the right people and then in the right way, the last step is to forgive. And I'm just going to be real. This is very difficult for us. Some of you would say, Steve, if you knew what they did, you would know that I can never forgive them. If you knew how bad they hurt me, if you knew what they said initially, in fact, they're the ones that are the incredible Hulk. They're the ones that are the backstabbers. They're the ones that have done all these bad things to me. And if you knew everything they did, you would know that it's impossible for me to forgive them. And then some of you would even add on to that. Besides, they haven't changed. They're still doing the same stuff. And they haven't even asked for forgiveness. They haven't even apologized. Why on earth should I forgive them when they haven't apologized, they haven't admitted they were wrong, they haven't changed. But see, we don't forgive. This is huge. We don't forgive because they deserve it. We forgive because we didn't deserve it. See, because we had conflict with our maker, the God who made us. And we responded in anger and we never apologized and we hadn't changed. But God said that while we were still sinners, in other words, while we were still angry, while we were still in conflict, before we had changed, before we had asked for forgiveness, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, God loves you and God loved you before you asked for forgiveness. God loved you before you changed. 
And so the reason that we are called to forgive others before they change is not because they deserve it. Our forgiveness of other people is never, it never hinges on what they've done or what they're doing. Our forgiveness hinges on the fact that we have been forgiven. See, we forgive because God forgave us and we didn't deserve it. We had messed up. We had isolated ourselves from God. And yet Jesus died so that we could be forgiven. See, we don't forgive because they deserve it. We don't forgive because they've apologized. We don't forgive because they've changed. We forgive because we did not deserve it and God forgave us because we have a father in heaven, a dad who loves you, regardless of what you've done and who has forgiven you. And when you begin to forgive others, you begin to tap into the reality that your God has forgiven you. And maybe for some of you, the reason you don't feel like you've been forgiven from God is because you've never taken the step to forgive someone else, even when they don't deserve it. So the last step is to forgive. And I know there's a lot of us in the room that deal with conflict. I know a lot of us in the room have dealt with conflict and maybe there's a conflict even right now that you're dealing with. And so here's the question I wanna leave you with tonight. And this is a great, it's a great one to talk about in your small group. How do you need to respond to anger? Not how have you, but how do you need to respond to anger? I'm just gonna guess. I'm going to guess there are some people in the room tonight that your anger has to do with a family member. And tonight, God's asking you to begin walking down the path of forgiveness. And maybe for some of you, it starts with identifying what you're really angry about and then talking about it, communicating with your small group leader. I'm going to guess that some of you, there's some anger between you and maybe even someone else in this room. And what if tonight was the night that instead of making decisions that we continue to regret, making decisions that continue to isolate us from our friends, making decisions that we look back on and we're filled with all sorts of shame and, and, and guilt, what if tonight was the night that that cycle ended and there was actually restoration? What if we began to recognize that God forgave us so now we can begin the process of forgiving our friends? Because I bet whatever the issue was that this started with wasn't as big as it is right now. See, our response to anger can keep us from danger. And so how do you need to respond? Let me pray for us. God, this is uh, easy to talk about, but it's really, really tough to do um, because we, uh, we would just rather blow up on someone or we'd rather stab them in the back or we'd rather stuff it down and not talk about it. But would you help us? Because we, oh God, we need your help. Would you help us actually address it head on and walk through these steps of pause, identify, communicate, and forgive? And I pray for the relationships represented in these rooms or in this room, God, and in the small group rooms, the parents that need to be forgiven, 
the friends that need to be forgiven, the conversations that need to happen, I pray that you would give these students boldness to begin walking down that path. God, you're good. And we can only forgive others because you have forgiven us. So thank you for forgiving us. We're grateful that you love us. And we need your strength to forgive others. And so we pray all these things in Jesus' powerful name.